Incoming transmission. The Klingonese word of the day is chin. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. Welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Husband, father, nerd. Folks, he is the designer and builder of the winning model of TrekFest 38's model building competition. It's Luke Grove! Yeah! <laughs> How you doing, man? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. This has been, uh, well, we we met and the last time we saw each other was at TrekFest. How have, how have you been since uh, since the summer? <laughs> uh, you know, work's got busy, but other than that, it's it's been pretty steady. Everything, no, nothing's bad happened or anything. I've got a lot of stuff. I've been building a, a couple new models. Hopefully take those out to TrekFest next year. Nice. If they're done, I nice. hope. Yeah. Uh, well, so let's let's dive in. You mentioned uh, you know work's been pretty steady. Uh, what's your nine to five? What do you do for a living? I'm an electrician. I, cool. I bet that um, I, I bet that helps when you're putting together some models. It helps on the electronic side very much. So um, plus I got a I, I I drive a service van, so I have all the tools and everything. I bring them home every night, so anything I need is right there. Let's dive in uh, before we get to the models because I want to try to I want to try to let people know who you are and what it takes to make an award-winning prop or model. So Luke, what, what came first building stuff and tinkering or Star Trek? Star Trek. Ah, okay. So are you, I think, I think you might be a few years older than me. Are you a TNG kid or a TOS kid? I grew up with TOS. Okay. I was born in 82. So I remember watching TOS on, on reruns. And we had several VHS tapes of the TOS on VHS. They were the ultimate computer, the Inci- Enterprise Incident, Trouble with Tribbles, and Balance of Terror. Those are good ones. <laughs> I think I wore those tapes out. Like I, I don't even think I still have them. They're in, they're in, they're in my little room where I have all my little everything I build and everything I've collected over the years. And yeah, I, I don't think they work anymore. I, I think I've literally wore the tape out because I watched them so much. Awesome. So, so let me ask you this. This is kind of one of my standard uh, Trek fan questions that I ask people and it's in two parts. So take your time and answer, you know, as best you can, who is your captain and who is the best captain? Cause those are not necessarily the same person. No, um, but they all got good qualities. If you go through all, all yeah. the series, they all have different qualities that make them unique and and who he would pick i'm gonna have to go with i always um being a tos kid it's gotta be captain kirk right of course swashbuckling guy that was always taking the lead taking charge first guy on the off the boat to go do what they needed to do yeah um i've always liked kirk as i've gotten older i have discovered more love for deep space nine it's actually become like my favorite series uh so gonna have to go with cisco for my second pick because yeah he's pretty badass yeah 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 yeah, you're absolutely right i uh i was raised a tng kid so uh and picard actually bears a a little bit of a resemblance to my dad so really yeah i'm sure there is a therapist out there that would love to unpack all of that (laughs) um (laughs) in terms now he's he's my captain who i think the best captain is my opinion has always been uh Janeway for, really? uh, for yeah for a lot of different reasons um and i've that's i've said that on on the show plenty of times but here more recently i did an episode with a buddy of mine and we were talking about uh we were talking about an episode of discovery uh specifically the one where captain pike gets the time crystal 
from the uh from the Klingon from the Klingon yes. planet there. Yeah. Yeah. And no like at first he just touches it and of course sees his future, sees him his in fate. the beat chair. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it of course it it you know startles him and takes him back, but he realizes like this is what we're here to do. Everything's on the line and he still grabs the time crystal and takes it like sealing his fate. I'm like that's commitment to the mission, right? That there. is commitment to the mission. And I mean, and the odds stacked against them, you know, between facing off against control and the whole thing. I mean, this is my personal opinion. It's just my personal opinion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, I think in my own, in my own little head cannon, in my own, in my own personal rankings right now, Pike and Janeway are neck and neck. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned a couple of key episodes of TOS that you had uh, that you watched a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. Was there one particular prop that stuck out to you the most from those? Well, it's always been the captain seat. Of course. It's always been the chair. Yeah. You know, um, I remember watching like on the uh, Ultimate Computer, they had the little thing on the side where you could control there's just like these two big gold switches you know and that that prop told a lot of the story right there of him trying to him constantly turning the computer on and off and taking back control of the ship every Uh time it did it the most basic thing it's like okay well it's done now i'm gonna be the guy again (laughs) um so i i had to build that i've got that on on my shelf downstairs um and yeah, the captain seat had to be like that. That was the very first prop I even built. Yeah. So um, I remember as a kid, though, like when I was real little, I would build the phasers out of Legos. You yes. know, like, yes, I, I had they, they were just yellow block. late. They didn't look anything like it. It was just basically a T. Yeah. But I as a kid, I'd be walking around with that phaser in my hand. And, <laughs> you know, so Perfect. phasers the, the, and the ship itself. I don't know. I've always been a big ship guy like i like we camp down on the mississippi river a lot and you see in the big barges go by yeah is always uh like oh that is so cool you know and i think that love comes from star trek too yeah yeah i think so there there is something and maybe it comes with age at least i'll speak for myself that there is something more um more powerful more romantic even about about those big big older ships um, uh-huh. my oldest brother traced our family lineage all the way back to the Mayflower. And, oh, nice. Yeah. And looking at some of those, uh, you know, paintings of the Mayflower and stuff like that, I'm like, man, it's a nice looking ship. That's real pretty, you know? And, and, <laughs> and, and but at the same time, like when I think it's, uh, I think it's in generations where the first time we see the enterprise D crew, they're, they're in the holodeck on that, yep. on that schooner Ele- enterprise. And there's something yep. about it where it's just like, man, that's cool. That's really, really cool. <laughs> and with Star Trek, it always they always reference in the sailing ships yes. of the past. Like yeah. on uh, Balance of Terror, uh, Kirk has a line on there, something about since the days of sailing ships, captains are given this great honor of, you know, when he's marrying the two people. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those things I think I, I kind of blame Star Trek for my love of that, too, you know. <laughs> So. Yeah. You know, uh, you mentioned uh, building, uh, you know, building some props when you were a kid out of Legos, like the Lego, oh, yeah. the Lego community in terms of Star Trek is like really prevalent. Like there's a lot of people building model ships and, you know, characters, uh, the minifigs of the characters and, yeah. and things like that. Um, have you ventured back into Legos at all? Has has that has that stayed in your in your periphery? Um Every once in a while, like I, I, we, me and my daughter built a uh, Hogwarts thing she got for Christmas out of Legos, oh, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, I haven't really, I kind of moved on from Lego, but Lego is a fun, I mean, is, is very fun. And if it's, if it's your way of building, then that's awesome. I've seen some really cool creations that guys can do out of Lego. And I wish I had that talent, but like, I don't know much about them. Like they have these little, little pieces that can do all sorts of different stuff. And oh, yeah. I didn't have that stuff as a kid. I had the, no. the, the blocks basically. Yep. yep. I could build a wall, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I trust now, me. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah. Now guys can do curves and just, 
you know, we watched the first season of Lego Master when that came on and seeing some of the stuff that those guys could do was just like, yeah, I can't compete with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh well, at, at Trek Fest, uh at the far end of the uh of the hall where all the models were displayed was uh Chris Ames, friend of the show, uh Mini Trek Knox, okay. his whole thing is I I think he's got most of the line of Star Trek ships all in miniature Lego format. And there's times where I'm like, there's no way you can get the detail of these ships in a model that size. And he did pretty good at it. Man, he he pulls it off. (laughs) He gets as close as you can probably get. Uh, Yeah, he's. I've actually been in contact with him recently. Uh, The wife and I went to a local lego convention here in town in south carolina and uh i hit him up just because the wife and i have an idea for a 12 foot lego christmas tree so (laughs) that'd be heavy (laughs) that's gonna be very heavy it's gonna be very expensive (laughs) gonna be cat safe (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly they should do that they should market it that way i know well i i well i told uh i told chris i said Part of what I want to do with the tree is get a bunch of minifigs, you know, from the entire line and have and have a scavenger hunt for people when they come over to the house. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Hand them a little hand them a little sheet and say, you know, can you find all the football players? Can you find all the superheroes? Can you find, you know, this, that and the other thing? So anyway, well, and part of what I want to do is because this was a big discussion between uh, me and my wife about the tree topper so as a as a trek fan you, you think oh you get the enterprise you put the enterprise on top of the on top of the on top of the tree well, yeah. um, but then i was I like well right now the hallmark ornament i got the yeah the, that's the star exactly and i mean along with that like okay do you go enterprise or do you go you know which version of the enterprise do you go with do you, you go should totally do voyager I thought about Voyager. I thought about uh, Deep Space Nine. And oh, that would look good. That nice circle with the exactly. three pylons. Yes, aesthetically, it would look amazing. Um, oh yeah. I even thought about stuff like um, the Millennium Falcon and the Milano. I, there's no shortage. There is no shortage of sci-fi ships that could go atop a Christmas tree, <laughs> like a TARDIS. <laughs> I could even just do a oh, blue the box would and do be a, good. Do a TARDIS, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> But uh, but anyway, so you mentioned that the that the chair was your first was your first big build. Yeah. Um, I was flipping through your Instagram and saw some of your other builds, sir. You have quite the collection of TOS like models and props. Like, uh, I, can you give me a, a rough number of how many TOS screen accurate or close about? um props and models that you have 20 i mean i got i got if you're talking about just tos i i I have a my collection kind of goes through the whole the whole series i even have like a little glass from picard that a friend found me he's like hey went out shopping i got this red glass look it's right there on screen i got one for you too and i'm like yeah send it my way man i'll take it that's awesome um but i mean i gotta i wouldn't even know where to count I, I've got at least 20 that I'm probably super proud of and will always be displayed. And then I got some other ones that are kind of fillers, as I call them. Yeah, because, um, uh, you know, the two that really stuck out to me were the TOS-era phaser rifle. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I was like, first of all, what a deep cut. Like, <laughs> and it looks... One episode. Yeah, it looks perfect. It's amazing. The other well, thing that... You. The other thing that really stuck out to me was you have the handle from the turbo lifts. Like, yeah. What a, what an odd and very specific thing to have. <laughs> and that was actually a kit. A good friend of mine, Bruce, um, made that as a kit back in the day and offered him up to his friends. He he does really good at, at resin pours and casting. So he, he, he created it out of wood, casted it, and made copies with resin. And... He's like, hey, I'm going to make a kit. How many people are interested? And I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> um, so he it came and I, I all I had to do on that one is is finish off the resin, paint it, 
make it look pretty and hang it on the wall. My original plan was to put it on the wall and then, you know, make like the inside of a turbo lift, but the yeah. glass panel with the red line goes up and down and side to side. But, you know, with the best laid plans, it's always a time issue. I can't, I don't have time to do everything that pops in my head, you know? <laughs> of course. But <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, looking at some of that stuff, uh, there's, you know, and again, I, I recall looking for, uh, TNG era, uh, tricorder, um, mostly because, uh, I have a friend who works with the national wrestling Alliance. So I wanted to go to some of their shows in a Starfleet uniform with, with, the, with the tricorder. And as each, as each wrestler comes out, just scan them really quick <laughs> and like shake my head or nod my head. <laughs> the, <laughs> just yeah. cause I'm that kind of weirdo, <laughs> <laughs> but all, all that to say, like I started, I started looking up some of the folks, you know, either on Instagram or through Etsy or who offer them up on eBay. Sometimes you see them and they get, extremely detailed very mm -hmm. expensive i mean do you have guys even put like lcd screens in about yeah they're making them like it's it's almost a working it's almost like a working piece of equipment you, you, you almost can't really call it a prop when it works <laughs> it's 10 times and it's 10 times more accurate and useful than like the ones they the actors actually had they had blocks of wood that were painted gray yeah you know that didn't do anything it's like oh there's a piece of block of wood with a hinge and yeah. now these builders are just mind-blowing in what they can do making and they they have the screen with little dots and the the lights that'll you know actually give you readings and make sounds from the show it's it's really impressive what these guys can do out there nowadays with you know with the talent pool that is out there yeah yeah so uh so the the big the big thing that you brought to Trekfest 38 is Nomad, a one to one scale replica, and I I, I think it's I mean correct me if I'm wrong screen accurate I mean it looks yeah. it looks like the one that's in as a TOS. close as you can as close as I could get with to screen accurate as possible was you know it's uh the way television was filmed back in the day small little details would get blurred out lighting that's like the biggest back and forth us nerds have when building is what what shade of red is that and right. it's like i it's red i mean it's probably the same shade of red that is the helm console or the transporter console because i guarantee with their budget they didn't have 50 shades of red they were using for different things right it's all the same red they bought a five, five gallon bucket of it and if anything was red paint it red yeah you know? <laughs> and it's a fun conversation to have when you're first starting out and then it kind of gets old. It's like, Oh, not the, the, the shade question again, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's red, it's gray. It's, it's, what do you think? It is? Because right. we all remember Star Trek different. We all, you know, you talk to guys and they, they say the captain's chair, well, that's dark. And then you talk to other people and they're like, no, it's white. But if you actually look at it, it's more like a whitish gray. So you're both right paint it what you remember you know like yeah i mean if you're it, building your own captain's chair make it your captain's chair exactly right you know i mean it's it's nice to see something that's exactly screen accurate it's also nice to see something that somebody has spent a lot of time to make it theirs exactly like I, look don't get me wrong screen accurate is great but this one actually fits my butt like <laughs> <laughs> which which for this guy is, is an accomplishment to find a chair that fits his butt um so, so walk me through a little bit of concept to completion with nomad because like when i approached you after the competition you showed me it's more than just a model like there's working parts to this thing yeah like the antenna i can get the antenna to go out it's something i've always wanted and I've tried to collaborate with people. You know, I'm not the first one to build it. it uh, after getting online and getting to know a lot of people in the, the community, a lot of people already had it. So it was just a matter of reaching out to people, getting measurements, you know, looking at a lot of reference photos, talking with people like, hey, I'm looking at this photo and I see it like the, the base is 
two pieces. You've got like an octagon base and you got an octagon base on top of that. In some photos, it's twisted to where the, the corners are lined up. And then other photos, it's twisted to where they're uh, 50, they're, they're turned 50 degrees or so. So yeah. they're opposite. Yeah. Which one's right? So there's a lot of research, a lot of talking with people and just reaching out, like just cold texting people and saying, hey, I see you build a nomad. Do you mind if I ask you some questions about it? And turns out one of the guys that had one lives here in Iowa. And I was able to talk to him and we became friends after that because it's just like, and it just started with, hey, how did you do that? Or how did you solve this problem? Or what does the inside of it look like? Can you take the, like, how did you build the frame? So through those connections, I was able to get some um, 3D print files, some STLs that would help, you know, like, hey, this guy already created the cone for you. Oh, I'll get a hold of him. And oh, yeah, you know what? I, I was building it and this guy over here did this part. And, you know, you kind of create a community and, and get the, it's kind of like, you know, if you're fixing up an old car, if you got an old Packard or something, yeah, those guys would have to get with other Packard enthusiasts to get parts and pieces to make their of car run again, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with Star Trek building. It's it's, it's really more the fun of it is reaching out to people and making friends and, and, and just solving the problems that just are inherent with it. Like, Hey, I, I don't know how this part is assembled. You know, how do you do this? Yeah. So what I ended up doing was I have a mix. My nomad is a mix of 3d printed parts that I bought a printer just for it. Oh, like wow. after I found out that I could print some parts, I was talking to a couple friends of mine who already print. And they're like, hey, it's easy. You, it, All you got to do is get the printer. You put your file on, on a slicer. And it's like, I don't know. I'm not a computer guy. Like, I'm wood and Bondo. Can I just build it out of wood and Bondo? And they're like, no, trust us. This this is better. And I learned how to 3D print. And wow. That has helped quite a bit It because that printer runs in the background. Like, it's running right now. I've got something printed for my next project. And it just runs... 24 hours a day wow. and around here everyone in the house is used to the thing going ee, ee, ee. <laughs> no one even notices the sound anymore <laughs> but yeah. like and and so you get all the parts gathered you print them you build like the whole body of nomad where the lights are at and all the holes and where it lights up i scratched up built all that out of plywood and bondo and drilled each individual hole and all the slats that go on the corners it was it was time consuming, but you know, you throw on an episode of Deep Space Nine and sand and paint and time goes by fast. Um, uh, so I know I had asked you there in Iowa, but just for folks who, you know, are curious, what what's the time frame? How many hours put in uh, to make Nomad start to finish? Oh, 80. Really? Wow. Yeah, probably. You know, probably more than that. It, it's something I don't keep track of. Like mm. I watched over almost the whole, you know, what if I figured out what I, what episode I, I started off with episode one of deep space nine uh -huh. and I got almost up to the end of the dominion war. So like oh. how many hours that is in <laughs> building is about that. Oh, okay. So, Assuming you did, uh, well, would you do like one episode and then, you know, when the episode's on call it a night or, you know, two or three episodes at a time, two or three episodes at a time during okay. the winter. I usually have my Sundays to myself, the wife and daughter go to church. I don't go. So I sit at home and I build and I spend eight hours Sunday building. Oh, wow. That's so great. I just bury myself in my cave. I, I have a little table I set up next to the furnace and I hung a TV up here on the wall and I got a couple of tools around me and that's, I can just sit down there and build models, build Nomad down there. And once you get used to the paint and Bondo fumes, it's so it's okay. <laughs> That's the thing I was going to say. <laughs> some of those fumes, you you might have spent more time than you realize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my AD estimate might be a really low on that one. <laughs> it's it's I just didn't pay much attention because it's um it's just a labor it's it's just a labor of love. I know that sounds cliche and stupid, but like it's just it's something I wanted. I loved the changeling. I loved that episode, and I was like, well, it's something big and. I don't do well with small stuff. My fingers are too, I don't have that fine touch. So if I can get something I can build that's big is nice, but it makes it harder to display because I mean, your house is only so big. Uh, of course. 
<laughs> they say, you know, time flies when you're having fun. And I mean, that's clearly the issue. You know, it's something you really, really enjoy and you don't really pay attention to the clock. You know? <laughs> no. And that's what makes it hard. Like, you know, the people that everybody's like, hey, how much would you sell Nomad for? And I, I really can't answer that because I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. It's I would never want to build a second one. Yeah. So if I sold it, you'd have to be paying me enough to let me emotionally let that go. Right, right. It's it's not so much the cost of material and the hours you put into it. It's a lot of labor and a lot of emotion that goes into that thing. Now, if you're banging them out to sell them, which you really probably shouldn't do because of a copyright infringement. Of course. Star Trek is a big on enforcing that. You know, if they yeah. get a... <laughs> if they sniff out that you're selling parts and pieces, they'll send you a, a cease and desist letter pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, I mean, along those lines, have uh, have you yourself encountered any of that? Or have you uh, dealt with anyone who has and like what the, you know, how that came to pass and, you know, what the fallout from that was? The fallout's usually just a, a slap on the wrist and just, just don't do that anymore. Right. And right. that person who got that will probably disappear from the community for about two, three weeks till everything kind of settles. And then all of a sudden they're back up going, hey, I got this Star Trek inspired set thing for sale. Ah. <laughs> you know? And some people just never get caught. Some people actually do invest to have the license fee. I know a few people that can sell Star Trek things, but um, most of them, they don't. They're going under the radar. And it, when it comes down to it, we feel like we own it because we all love it so much. Yeah. yeah. But- but Paramount's right there to tell you, no, <laughs> no, you don't. And I bet our, I bet we have more lawyers than you do too. <laughs> exactly. Kind of like the, what, what really brought that up was like the fan film, like that Axnar yeah, guy that, yeah. what was that? Peter, can't think of his name at the moment, but you know, he, he was gonna fight the good fight. No, I can, I can do this and found out the hard way. No, you, you can't. No. <laughs> Which is a shame because I thought, that thing he came up with that act the prelude to axonar was actually pretty good yeah i've i've seen a little bit of it it's pretty awesome for a fan made flick it's actually pretty good yeah there's every now and i'm i'm sure it's the same with you know prop making and model making where it's like you can tell this person didn't really know what they were doing looks like that you know uh -huh. they put it together in their garage and it's just kind of a little janky but then there's other times where it's like oh, this person took the time and did all the little details and you can really tell their material. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you've mentioned that you're working on a new project for the modeling competition for TrekFest 39. Can you give us any clues? <laughs> well, yeah, it's not a secret. I'm building a five foot replica of the spaceship Enterprise, Starship Enterprise. It's nice. it's going to be a direct match to the one at the Smithsonian, the actual 11 foot filming model. I'm going to run the wires on the outside. It's going to be lit exactly like it. Lusards will come on. It's five foot long, three foot wide model. Oh, man. <laughs> so I've been digging through a lot of reference materials. And this is another one that's being group. I'm getting a lot of help from people where three, four guys were all building the same thing together. So we're like, hey, how did this work for you? And how did you do this? And just like we did with Nomad, it, it, you learn from others because some guys have a lot more time to devote to this than I, I do. So like I get home from work and my phone's blowing up and I read it and they're like, we did this, this, and this, and, and this is how you do that. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, like, thanks. <laughs> you know, nice. Thanks for figuring that out. I appreciate that. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I hope I get to see it. Please, if I can't make it to TrekFest, please post some pictures because that sounds I will definitely be amazing. posting. And, then, and it might be one of those things I might get to the point where I, it'll, it'll be just so big. I may not want to take it. I may take something else, you know, when it gets to that point. Because like when you have that much time and that much investment in it to see it get damaged in transit, oh. you know, it's. Uh, Nomad, for instance, when I got that home, I had to redo a couple bits because it kind of flexed and one of the parts was kind of wonky when I set it back on the shelf. I'm looking at that going, oh, I, I can't live with that. So, no. <laughs> But at least with 3D printing, you just print the new part, 
you fix it all, you make it pretty because you got to get rid of the print lines and all that stuff and then reassemble Nomad and it makes it look good again. At least it was a part that I could 3D print. <laughs> it wasn't the scratch built thing. That's awesome. Well, uh, if you don't mind, I actually dug around and put together some prop and model based Star Trek trivia questions. If you're down to play some trivia. Okay. Who designed and built the original Nomad prop? Is that Matt Jeffries? Matt Jeffries designed it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any uh, any clue as to the, the builders? I'm going to know the name as soon as you say it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, from what I found, it's Jim Rugg. Okay. And Irving Feinberg. Okay. So uh, speaking of Nomad, the original Nomad probe has appeared in three other Star Trek series. Can you name them? The series? Uh-huh. In some way, shape, or form. Uh, the Next Generation would be my first guess. Okay. Uh, Voyager. Okay. And Discovery? Ooh. Did I get any of them right? You are 0 for 3, sir. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so the the first one is uh, Picard, season two, episode six. They're at the uh, they're at the gala for the Europa, and Picard okay. is talking to his uh, his ancestor. Uh huh. Behind him is the model. It's on display. Oh, see, I've only went through Picard once. Oh, really? I haven't okay. been able to do a rewatch. So I probably, you know, the, some of those stuff, the new stuff, they have the references so quick. Like if you ever watched Lower Decks, oh, like you yeah. have to rewatch Lower Decks eight times to even catch 90% of all the the references. It's like, I missed that the first three times through, you yeah. know? <laughs> so <laughs> speaking of, the other one is Lower Decks. <laughs> Of course. It's uh, season one, episode one. There's apparently, uh, there's a storage closet and Nomad is, is in it's the storage. Oh, yeah, I remember that episode too. I remember that. <laughs> and the last one, and this was a, this is a little tricky, Enterprise. Apparently there, oh. there is a model of Nomad in Travis Mayweather's bunk. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Enterprise is one that I just skipped. Like I watched Deep Space Nine, I watched Voyager, and then I, it just didn't, I don't know what happened, but I've never made time to watch that series. I think because, because I covered it so in-depthly on my show, I always encourage people to give it a second look just because uh, if you understand a couple things that were happening, uh, you know, around the production, of course, understanding it premiered like less than two weeks after 9-11. Mm -hmm. The first two seasons are very uh, freak of the week, you know, very episodic season three. Season three is the Zindi war. Okay. Season four is where they put all the connections to the rest of the franchise. So it's where, it's where you see uh, the Orion slave women. It's where you see the Klingons and the, the augments and Brent Spiner and like, all of that stuff happens in season four. Is that also a season four where they did the um, the tie-in with the TOS and the Defiant on the... Yes. Yes, The mirrored episode. The, yeah. The mirror, mirror. Yeah. Yeah, that's all... I have that, seen that episode. Yeah, that's all season four. And, uh, you know, God bless and, you know, rest in peace, Manny Cotto. That was his big... When he... When um, Berman and Braga gave him the reins as showrunner mm-hmm. uh Manny Cotto's like driving force was like we have to connect this series to the rest of the franchise and they spent, yeah they spent most of season four doing just that and so I uh, should go back and re- I I have a friend Josh who sings Enterprises for, uh praises a lot too and I one of these days I'll have to sit down and when I'm in the shop building just have that on the background and to be honest, that, yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, for the time it was very uh, I've I spoke with a couple of uh, Star Trek podcasters out of the UK and they're like 
Enterprise more than any other Star Trek series is so American. It's very, very American. <laughs> I was just like, you are not wrong. That is that is very accurate. <laughs> but I mean, in looking at that, it kind of informs you of like, it really is more exploration, not a lot of diplomacy. I mean, there, there is some, but it was the rare occasion that we found some species willing to give us the time of day and, you know, uh, Archer's dog hadn't peed on their trees or whatever <laughs> that they could actually establish diplomatic relations. But most of the time it was just kind of like, Oh, shiny thing over there. Let's go find out what it is. You know, uh, that was, that was the show for the most part. It also had that vibe of it's the first warp capable ship. Wasn't it like top five? Like warp yeah. five was the most. It and... maxed out at warp five and it, you know, going through the interiors, it's still built. It's built like a submarine. And that's what I, they're wearing overalls. It had, they have pockets. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very, it's very much, it's very much a function over fashion Star Trek. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, I always, I always say, Hey, look, I, I trust me. I know all of the arguments. I've heard them all a thousand times, <laughs> but if you're at all kind of on the fence, I'm always like, Hey, give it a second watch, but know, you know, these few things before you jump in and, you know, take a look at the episodes that were directed by Trek alum, you know, Robert Duncan McNeil, uh, Roxanne Dawson, LeVar Burton, like they all directed. Jonathan they, Frakes did a few too, I believe. Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. So, you know, check out those episodes. Cause they, they got some really, really good episodes. Um, Roxanne Dawson's episodes always watch like horror movies. So if you're a horror <laughs> movie fan, like they're actually really a lot of fun. It's kind of like, oh, okay. So this is kind of what this would be like. And it's, you know, it's funny looking at that now, especially with stuff going on in Strange New Worlds, where every episode of Strange New Worlds watches like a movie and week to week, that movie is different. Sometimes it's a horror movie. Sometimes it's a romantic comedy. Sometimes it's a uh -huh. musical. Sometimes it's, yeah. you know, the it's musical all these one was fun. Oh, I loved, I loved it. It's, you know, I never understood why there was so much hate for the musical episode before it even aired. I was like, yeah, well, let's People watch have it their first. Mind made up. It's going to be so stupid. And it, it worked. They, they made it work. Yeah. And it's no different than Star Trek's full of campiness. If, if you didn't like that, you can watch Spock's brain and think that's not goofy. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it's and, the same style of storytelling, goofiness, yeah. fun sci-fi. Exactly. Not to mention most of that cast are stage actors. And yeah. two of them are very accomplished musicians. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's going to be good. <laughs> like uh -huh. they're going to do a good job with it. And that's probably why they did it because they have yeah. the cast that could pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, absolutely. like how many times did they, did they shoehorn Picard into a Shakespearean role? Of course. Yeah. I mean, more times than you can count, they got the holodeck. They, they go back in time uh, on time's arrow and Oh, look, Picard's being a Shakespearean actor again. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I got a few more trivia questions for you here. Now, Let's hope I do better. Yeah, yeah here we go. <laughs> Again, this is this is for a grand total of zero dollars. So, <laughs> all right, I count now. Speaking of lower decks, I counted four props in the lower decks premiere. The premiere. Uh huh. That appeared in TNG. Well, the batleth, the batleth is one for sure. Yep, the batleth is one. <sighs> got it, your text in my brain here. Because it was all at the beginning, beginning a uh, cold open, wasn't it? Wasn't Mariner having like all that stuff? Like, there was, just... there was, there was a few in that cold open, but these, uh, some of them were spread out throughout the episode. Yeah. Do you have thirty minutes? Let me go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna lie. As I was writing this, I was like, you know what? Let me just go watch the episode. <laughs> I went and watched the episode. I was like, okay, there's that one and that one. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I remember the bait, the bat left because that's where she cut. Uh, yeah, she cuts right into his thigh. Yeah, yeah, right into his thigh. But oh, there's so many references on lower deck. You're gonna have to help me out here, Bob. What's so? Uh, you see a couple of a couple of people walking around wearing visors. 
There's at least. Are you talking about the skirt things? The 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 uniform? Did you get that in there? Where there a couple of people are walking around wearing the. I didn't. The, the, the man I skirt? didn't notice that, but I can't. It it they they may have. So like you said, so many of that stuff is <laughs> so much of that stuff is so fast. It's kind of like blink and you'll miss it. Uh huh. So I also saw a, a Benzite with a breathing apparatus. I do remember that. Yes. Yep. The Type 2 phaser, the TNG era Type 2 phaser. That was in the first episode, too? Yeah, yeah. And wow, man, they shoot they just get stuff in there. So I did catch a fifth one that I was, that I forgot to actually look up the name. It's the weapon that Tasha Yar uses in that, um, in that fight uh, where she has to fight uh, the queen of that. It's the it's the episode that's really bad that everybody hates. You remember? Oh, that's any first season episode. Yeah, it's it's a first. <laughs> anyway, in that in that box of contraband is also the, one of those weapons, and I forget what it's called. Oh, and like I God. said, I forgot to look it up. <laughs> a better a better podcast host would have would have because <laughs> the only thing I can think of right now is like Spock and Kirk when they use the the Lerpa. Uh, had the blade on top oh, and the big yeah. ball on the bottom where they're beating the crap out of each other. Yeah. Mock time. That was the episode of that. Right. Okay, so... I'm kicking um, my butt here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to turn in my nerd card. I <laughs> Trust me. Every time every time I, uh, I mention Star Wars on this show, I'm sure some Vulcan's ears get perfectly round. <laughs> it, it happens, I'm sure. Okay, so uh, there are three skulls that Q points out in Picard's trophy room in Picard Season 2, Episode 2, Penance. Oh, one of them was a Ferengi. Um, was that um, the guy that carries around the gold scepter? The the Negus. The Negus was the Negus one of them. No, because it wasn't. It wasn't Brunt. No, it had to have been the. It had to have been the Negus, right? No, there's no there's, no. That of there's a bunch of skulls, but Q points out three specifically and names them. Oh, yeah. So who who are the who do those skulls actually belong to? Um, one of them was Klingon. Mm-hmm. One of them was a Romulan, right? Did he point? No, no he didn't point to the Romulan. No, you're close though. What species is close to Romulan? Vulcan. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, who? Who was the Vulcan? It wasn't. It wasn't uh, Sarek, was it? It was Sarek. It was yeah. Sarek, wasn't he? Killed Sarek. Yep, Sarek's um, Sarek's skull, and there is a Klingon, and there is a third. The Klingon, was it a Deep Space Nine main character? Did they, was it one of the ones that he killed, the um, Martok or? Uh, um, it was General Martok, yeah. General Martok skull. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that. I, I, I was either him or the, the guy with the big eyes, you know. Oh, Gowron? Gowron. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Not even, Your not house. even alternate universe. Picard is killing Gowron. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any guesses to the third skull? Oh, the third one. The third one. Um, no, God, it has to be. Hey, if Deep Space Nine is your favorite, it's it's got to be a deep, it's a Deep Space Nine reference, huh? Uh huh. Is it a Cardassian? It is a Cardassian. Is is it? Um... It's not the it's not the it's not the the, the main Cardassian, is it? The um, oh, of course I'm gonna draw a blank on his name now, after <laughs> praising how much I love Deep Space Nine. <laughs> hey, listen, is it I went on Con I went on stage and made the mistake of admitting that I had not yet finished Deep Space Nine and got heckled. So, <laughs> all right, settle down, people. Jeez. Was it Goldicott? It was Goldicott. Yep. Goldicott, General Martok, and Sarek. Well, he's burning in the fire caves right now. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think I, I, I'm in the camp that Picard season three missed out on an opportunity. Really? They, re they revisited the boar, which was a mistake. I think. I'm personally tired of Borg episodes. They, they've been played out. We've already defeated them. They've already defeated them like three, four times. They just keep coming back like a cockroach. Yeah. The whole red eye deal, that was totally a paw rate. They mm. should have connected the red eye and all that. It would have made more sense if you're going to bring the changelings in anyway. Why would the changelings need to team up with the Borg? But teaming up with the paw race to, to open up the wormhole to get their... Um, troops back in and over get the dominion back in into power would have made more sense in my head than 
going back to a broken Borg cube hidden in Jupiter. Yeah, I I look at it as it, it, I you know sometimes I have trouble disconnecting my fandom from like my understanding of production limited as it is when they announced that the third season was going to be the final season and that the entire TNG cast was coming back. I was like, okay, so this is going to be kind of a loss, a last hurrah for yeah. the TNG cast, which means it's going to be the Borg. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody was really, I was I, not I, surprised I, by it at all. Yeah. Myself, the cur- the curve, but... the curveball, the curveball, I think was the inclusion of uh, the changelings, which I thought, Okay, you know, I thought the way they spun it was kind of I was like, all right, this is interesting. I'm down. I'm here. Um, In terms of my issues with Picard aren't in season three. They're in season, season two. They're in season one. Season one. Really? Yeah. What, what, I, then like what? So, okay, let, let's let's finish. I tell you what, I will tell you and the listeners my issues with Picard season one in the after show. So if you want to hear what I have to say about Picard <laughs> season one, you have to go and support us on Patreon, please. For the love of God, I need, I need some people to support me on Patreon, uh, <laughs> patreon.com uh, slash computer resume. You'll find us. We're there. We've got some cool stuff. There's some t-shirts. If you, if you want a mug, there's a mug, <laughs> please. All right. So let's, let's, let's do the last trivia question here. This is going to be another tricky one. Although I think oh, so I'm not going to get this one either. <laughs> okay, so there's multiple answers to this question. So you could potentially get at least some of them. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, five iconic ships other than the Enterprise D appear in the Fleet Museum in Picard season 3 episode 6, The Bounty. Name them. The Bounty's one. That is, does, yeah. does it have to be a, I mean, that's technically, um, yeah, you're absolutely, yeah. The HMS bounty is one of them. Yes. Kronos one is there. Okay. Kronos one was not specifically, it is, it is mentioned. It is not featured like they, these, these five ships are prominently featured, but you are correct. Kronos one is, is in that list. Yes. The enterprise a enterprise a yeah. The Voyager. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they had, uh, they had a TOS ship, but it wasn't the Enterprise. It was the, uh, oh, they just made up a name for that one too. The registry is, uh, Terry Metallus's birthday. Maybe, maybe. I didn't see anything about the the registry number. It it wasn't the Defiant. They made up a name. It was, was it the Defiant? The Defiant was there, but I think you're, you're, the, the, the one from D Space Nine was there. Yeah, yeah. But the TOS ship, I don't remember its name at the moment. It, 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 it was one that was never mentioned before, like in the TOS history. So I think it was a TOS era ship, but I think it was only mentioned in a conversation between Picard and Scotty in the episode Relics. Oh, okay. It's okay. The, the USS New Jersey. That's right. The yeah. New Jersey. So those, so those five ships, the New Jersey, the Defiant, the Enterprise A, the Voyager, and the Bounty, those are the ones that are prominently featured. That you actually see. That you actually see. The other ones on there are the other ones that are mentioned, but that aren't prominently featured or just mentioned in like, you know, a list or something like that. There's um, the NX-01. Yep. The USS Excelsior, the USS Stargazer, you mentioned Kronos One. That was one of them. Uh, the USS Pioneer, which was actually featured in the end credits of Picard Season 3. Um, oh, okay. But the last thing is actually the museum itself, which is... Which was the original Starbase. Well, yep, Space Dock 1. The but one yeah. that the, the whale probe shut down. The, exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's that's all the that's what I could find that's what I could find in terms of I did good on that one. Yeah, you did. You knocked that one out of the park, <laughs> sir. Like I'm gonna say, I mean, you got of the five that I listed, you got four out of five. But you also got one of the other bonus ones. So I mean, that's solid. Hey, that's solid. I'll, I'll take that win when I can get it. <laughs> <laughs> the checks in the mail, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Luke. 
thank you so much for taking the time and, you know, chit-chatting with me about Star Trek and model building and all these wonderful things. Do you have any parting thoughts, anything you'd like to convey to the fandom at large, to the dozens of people who listen to the show? <laughs> any, any parting thoughts before we start to wrap it up? If, if, if you love Star Trek and you want to start building props, if, you, if, if that's something that really interests you, there's a couple good pages on Facebook to go to. Yeah. Star Trek props enthusiasts. If you're a, a very beginner beginner and you're just getting in there, that has a, that's been around a long time. It has a wealth of knowledge in there. You can search that. You can, you know, if you want to build your own nomad, you can type in nomad and it'll just pop up with post, 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 post. And you can scroll through there and, and, and take the time to read the resource material that's there. And the other one is one that I actually, with uh, two friends, Josh Trayer and Bruce Boyd, we started up our own that is Star Trek props and prop replicas on Facebook. And that's that's one for people that are already builders and they already have two or three props they've already built. We ask a few questions to kind of weed out bots and answer the few questions and join our community. It's, um, you know, a lot of a lot of show and tell, a lot of... Uh, talking back and forth and that's where you really start meeting the people that if you want to start building that's your two resources right there on facebook and i'm at mr todd a davis on all of the socials from all of us at the computer resume podcast thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in ted forward Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?